Well, we're starting a new uh, series this morning called Life Apps. And as you can see from the video, apps don't do the work themselves, do they? You can download an app onto your smartphone or your Kindle or your computer or wherever, but unless you follow up on it, nothing's going to happen. I can download the app. It'd be nice if I downloaded the app and then it just made food for me all day long that was no calories in it. Wouldn't that be great? You know, but tasted like there were tons of calories and fat in it. I would really like that. But it's not that easy, you know. Application is everything, but uh, it takes work to apply the knowledge that we have in our life. And so during the series, we're going to talk about some different apps. And I was joking with somebody this morning. We have this piece of artwork up here this morning, kind of illustrates the series. And I said, this is about the size uh, iPhone I need. Uh, Mine's a little small and I can't usually find the apps. And uh, this one would be great. And, you know, I I preference preference most of my... um, um, when I ask the staff to help me with something, I now preference it because most of them are younger than me. I say, because I was born in 1962, I don't know how to, and then I just tell them that. And so uh, because I was born in 1962, I need an iPhone this big with big apps on it that I can follow up with things on. But some of the apps that we found when we're putting together this series that are kind of funny uh, are some of these. Here's a couple of apps that you can find out there uh, on the internet for yourself. There's one that was kind of a religious app And it says this, this app allows you to organize your sins, evaluate your conscience, and rates how you measure up. You can then walk through the sacrament of Holy Communion. It's approved by the church and available for $1.99. That's right from the website. Uh, There's one called the Quick Go Pee app, which I thought was a good idea. The Quick Go Pee app, it's when you're watching a movie... You can search for the movie that you're watching, and the app will tell you the best time to step out for a potty break without missing much. (laughs) If you start your timer at the beginning of the movie, it will even tell you what you've missed uh, when you get back from your little potty excursion. (laughs) Then there's the Lick It app, and on the Lick It app, you actually pull it up, and what you do is some piece of fruit or a popsicle comes up, and you just lick it until it's gone. Now, you should probably make sure you have some sterile hand wipes to clean down your phone before you would pull up the Lick It app, okay? Just maybe something would help you out there. Another one we found is the Dog Whistle app. It sends out sound frequencies that can train your dog, but my question is this, since we can't hear them, is it really working? (laughs) Or is it just, you know, an app that's on there that you pay for? There's also the Hold the Button Down app, and all that you do with this app is hold the button down on the app, and when you let go, it lets you know if you were number one, two, three, four, or five, and the longest person to hold down that button. Now, really, is that what we're spending our time doing these days? Okay. And then there's one that I thought was interesting, the iDrunk Text app. iDrunk Text app. It makes it easier for you to text somebody when you're drunk. Your phone automatically selects who the text gets sent to and who it doesn't. Now, that could get you some big problems. You know, I, I would say, why don't you just download the app that says, don't be drunk with wine, we're in this excess app, hit that one, and kind of back off of the drink a little bit earlier, so you don't have to worry about who's getting 
your text, okay? But uh, it doesn't matter what text or what app we download for exercise, for food. I have a friend who downloaded one for golf, and when he's golfing, it actually finds where he is on what course, tells him the elevation, tells him which club to use, tells him where to hit, tells him how much wind is coming right now. And, you know, it doesn't really matter for me because it doesn't matter you know, I could hit it with a driver or wedge or whatever. The same thing's going to happen to that ball. It's going to get driven into the turf or go into the sand pit or something like that. But there's all kinds of apps out there, and there's all kinds of apps also in here in the Bible. There are applications for our life in the Bible that we can download into our soul, and when we apply them to our life, they will change our life and the way that we live our life if we apply them. But they're only as good as when we apply them. Our life really isn't going to change until we take the information that we have from God's Word through His Spirit and through His written Word and put it into practice in our life. And when we take the information that we get from God and we apply it to our lives, we're able to then discern what is wisdom. You know, living a life of wisdom is about taking information that we have and applying it to our life and seeing if it works in life, and that is wisdom. Wisdom is the art of applying the information that we have in such a way that it changes our life, helps us uh, connect more with God and others around us. And so what we're talking about the next couple weeks from the book of James is really how to attain wisdom in this life. The book of James in the New Testament is a book of wisdom, much like Proverbs is in the Old Testament. It's a piece of wisdom literature. If you read through it, you'll see that there's some discourse of things, but there's also these pithy little short sayings that are all put together. Do you ever read that in Proverbs and you're like, man, there's just chunks of wisdom here again and again and again and again. And that's the way the book of James is. It's just full of wisdom for our everyday life, but it's only as good as when we apply it. Today we're going to be looking at James chapter 1 verses 22 through 25 and if you're following with me you can open up your Bible there right now to James chapter 1 or if you don't have your Bible with you this morning you can just turn in your outline. We put some of the verses that we'll be talking about this morning in there. The Word of God says in James chapter 1 verses 22 through 25 gives us this app. Do not merely listen to the Word And so deceive yourself, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. There is more to application than meets the eye. There's more to application than just the short phrase by Nike, just do it. There are at least three parts to application, and the importance of application are just come burning clear. And there's three parts of it that are a learned art in the life of the believer. And those three parts are this, listening well, following through, and discovering a rhythm between those two listening well and following through. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's go ahead and jump into our outline this morning. Application number one is listening well. Application or doing what we have heard starts with hearing from God and others well. Listening well. God's Word says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. The phrase here, merely listen, means to kind of glaze over, take something in really quick, and then move on. You ever do that when you're listening to somebody? 
and they're talking to you and you're texting on your iPhone at the same time and uh, or they're on the phone with you and while they're on the phone with you and I do this sometimes in my office and I feel guilty about it but I still do it I'll be I'll be working on my computer while they're talking to me on the phone you know one of my kids is talking to me and they can hear the clicking of the keys you know I gotta get a more silent keyboard because it gives me away like yeah I don't know it must be from the next office boy their keyboards really loud come right over to my office but we live in kind of this distracted thing where we do this merely listening right we kind of listen, and then we run on, and God tells us not to do that. He says, don't merely listen and deceive yourself. Really deeply listen. And then it says later on in the same passage, but whoever looks intently, whoever looks into the detail, whoever stops and eliminates competing distractions, that's what looking intently, stop and eliminate competing distractions to God's Word. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law can what? Live it out and walk it out. Then it says in James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. It doesn't say listen quickly, does it? It says be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, I like to talk, so I'm quick to speak. And I'm also quick to get my ire up and get upset about things and let my world be rocked. But God says slow down, chill out. On the inside, be somebody who is quick to listen and listens deeply and listens well. And then arguably, there's the most well-known passage in all of the Old Testament for people who are Jewish. It is called the Shema passage. The Shema is a word in Hebrew that means listen or listen up or hear this well. And it goes like this. Listen up, O Israel. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul, and your mind, and your strength. And if you talk to a Jewish person, all you have to do is say the Shema, and they know exactly what you're talking about. As a matter of fact, many of them will have a piece of the scroll mounted outside the door of their house and have the Shema in it. Listen, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Listen, and listen to him, and take in what he has to say. Never forget Shema. Listen, listen, listen. So why does God make such a big deal out of listening, listening well, and about listening intently, about setting our default not to speaking or to feeling, but to listening first. Why does he do that? He makes a big deal about listening because he knows it's the key ingredient to application, that we can't apply his word well if we haven't listened to it well and listened to him well and learned how to have him as a confidant that we listen to often deeply and long. It leads to freedom in our lives and blessings as we share life with others when we learn how to listen well. Now last fall, we engaged in a series called Beneath the Surface, Discovering Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, we went through some of the, the, uh, all the passages that are in the pathway of this book. This book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, was written by Pastor Pete Scazzaro. And at the end of the time of us doing the series, Pete actually came for a day on a Friday and did a whole day with us, talking us and walking us through the seven pathways to emotional and spiritual health. One of those pathways is this. Grow into an emotionally mature adult. Grow into an emotionally mature adult. And Pete says this. It is impossible to become spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Remember that? That those two things are inter intertwined. 
Spiritual contemplation and emotional health are intertwined and help us grow up. And so um, when he was here, he was showing me the manuscript of a skills workbook they were putting together. And just about last two weeks, they got the skills book done. And so I ordered it and I picked it up. And one of the skills that helps you grow into an emotionally mature adult is called incarnational listening. Incarnational listening. And uh, I, I picked this up and I was going through some of the stuff and watching some of the lessons in there. There may be 15 minutes long or kind of a vignette of a video of, of Jerry and Pete teaching this skill. And there's a workbook to go with it. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go through these and see if there's some of these we can use in our church. And we really are working to integrate these seven pathways of emotional, spiritual health into the life of our church. And, and Pete helps me. And once in a while he lets me call him or talk with him or email him and kind of coaches me on how to do that. And, and he wrote, wrote this book and he's integrated into the life of their church at New Life Fellowship in Queens, New York, which is a multi-ethnic, multinational church. And, uh, and the, you know, it's, so I really want to learn how can we be a church that's like that, where we're spiritually mature and emotionally mature at the same time. So we're growing up in the Lord and we're becoming people who are emotionally and spiritually healthy in that way. And so I, I started to watch this lesson on listening, and I thought to myself, here's a couple of thoughts I thought. It was called incarnational listening. I thought, you know, I, I took a whole day course on listening. You know, I, I have notebooks full of listening. I, I've gone to counseling. I've paid counselors big money to teach me how to listen so that my wife isn't so upset with me. I've taken courses in how to be a counselor and listen and how to get other people to listen. I have a little handbook in my desk down there. It's called the Imago Dialogue. And the Imago Dialogue is how to image back to somebody else what they're saying to you so that they feel understood. I thought, really, is there much more that I can learn in my humble way about listening? And I sat down and I watched this lesson on incarnational listening and it kind of rocked my world this week in about 15 minutes as I learned this about Jesus and about listening. They said that incarnational listening helps us move into some sacred space with other people. That when we do incarnational listening, we treat people like I'm created in God's image and you're not an it, you're a thou. You're created in God's image too. When I treat you like an it, I don't treat you like you're created in God's image and we don't have any sacred space. But when I say, you know what, I'm created in God's image and you're a thou, so are you. When I treat you that way and I listen to you, I can create an environment. I can help foster. Actually, God creates it. But I foster the environment where there's some sacred space between us as I listen to you well. As I listen to you well. Someone has said this, to listen to another soul may be almost the greatest service that any human being ever performs for another person. And David Augsburger wrote this, Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person it is almost indistinguishable. Did you hear that? Being heard is so close to being loved that the average person can almost not distinguish between the two. That when we feel heard and we feel valued, we feel loved and we feel cared for. And so listening is very, very important to God. Here are the four dynamics that Pete and Jerry give about incarnational listening. They say that Jesus left his world. He was incarnate. And when we listen, we choose to leave our world. They say that Jesus entered our world then. And when we listen, we choose 
to enter somebody else's world and to give them time and to give them space and to give them an ear. They say that Jesus held on to himself. He not only left heaven and came to earth, but he had to really define who he was. He didn't constantly morph because he was listening well or putting his life on the line. He knew his purpose. He knew who he was. So he wasn't always, and he didn't always agree with what was going on in the earth, right? As a matter of fact, that's why he died on the cross, to change the sin patterns that were going on in the earth. And so when we listen, we don't have to agree to be able to be somebody who listens. And then number four, Jesus hung between two worlds. And I might not like what I hear somebody else saying, But if I hang between the tension and our perspectives, something sacred can come down and invade our relationship when I do that. And so when I was watching this little vignette and taking some notes, I thought about this. I thought, well, that's good between us, but what about me between me and God? And then this thought just kind of popped into my mind. Have I ever thought about listening to God that way? Have I ever thought about doing incarnational listening with God? Have I ever thought about leaving my world, entering God's world, listening to Him even if I don't agree with Him right now in my life, and being willing to hang in the tension between my perspective on something that's going on so I can learn God's perspective on something that's going on? Because I realize when I feel some tension with God, When I'm reading his word and I feel like I'm not sure I agree with that perspective, I tend to begin to hang back. I don't move out of my world as often and into his world. I don't take as much time to be contemplative in his word. I don't like the tension between his perspective and mine, so I I tend to lay back. And I don't move into that relationship where God's like, you know what, I'm fine with us having some tension over this. Let's work it out. And let's walk it out. And let's listen it out. And let's spend some time together so you can understand why my perspective is different than yours. That's called what? A relationship with God. And when we lead people to Christ, what do we tell people? This isn't just about being religious. This is about what? A relationship. And then we forget that later on once we come to God. That's about grooming this relationship. And so... Today, I want us to try something for a couple of minutes. I want us to to leave our world. I want us to enter into God's world. I want us to listen to God, even if we don't totally agree, even if we have some differences with God this morning, and be willing to hang in the tension between our perspective and God's perspective. And I just want you, I want us to meditate on a passage of Scripture just for a few moments and be quiet and still before God and extend to Him some incarnational listening. God, you're here with me, and so I'm here with you. So let's just put our chin on our chest, close our eyes, stay wide awake, though, as we meditate on just a few uh, verses of Scripture from Psalm 1. Listen as I read it to you, and then we're just going to take a few minutes for quiet to let God speak to us and to listen clearly to Him. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, 
he meditates both day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Take a few quiet moments and just listen to God. May the Lord add his blessing to the hearing of his word in our soul. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I I get going so fast sometimes, I don't take time to listen well to God or his word. Um, One of the gifts that I got this past year was a Kindle from my kids and my wife. And uh, and, um, because I'm greedy, I wanted the Kindle fire. It's the one that's in color, and I can download my textbooks. I'm in a program right now taking some classes at Alliance Seminary, and so most of my textbooks I can download there too, and I can cut and paste quotes and things like that when I'm working on papers. It's really nice. But one of the things I found is there's an app on here called the Bible app that you can get from lifechurch.tv for free. And uh, one of the reasons that I liked it and downloaded it is it'll read the Bible to you. I mean, how lazy is that? But anyhow, it'll read the Bible to you, and I find that Late in the day when I'm getting tired, I can lay in bed, and if my wife is watching TV, I can put my earphones in, and I can just lay there, and I can click it on Psalm 1 or whatever, and it'll just read, and I can actually set a timer for this thing, and it just reads me to sleep, right? During the day when I'm meeting with someone or waiting for them to show up for coffee, and I'm at Panera, I can pop this thing out, put my earphones in, put it in. The other day, I forgot it. I forgot my earphones. I remembered it. And so it's got speakers in it. And so I turned it on. And I'm trying to, you know, keep the volume down a little bit so I don't look like the holy guy over in the corner there having a cup of coffee. And uh, as I'm going through it, I'm I'm hoping it doesn't go into a genealogy passage. (laughs) Like, and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and -and so-and-so begat... I get it. People gave birth to other people, okay? Can we move on? But I find that it, it, is a, it is a way for me to stay connected to hearing God and His voice throughout the day. Because I have this tendency to listen at certain times, but then just go into my do, 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 get things done mode. And I need to be interrupted by the Word of God during the activity of my day. I need some holy, sacred time sacred orb interruptions where I stop and I listen and I enter into God's world and I'm willing to listen even if I don't totally agree. I'm also willing to live in the tension and hear him talk and mentor me and grow me and help me understand some things that I won't get this side of heaven if I don't get with him in his word. And so I encourage you, try some things that are creative. Get your family to buy you a Kindle. It works. 
and it helps. You can download, there's all kinds of apps out there to help you grow in the Lord and grow in Him. So listening well is vital to applying God's Word to our life, uh, but listening is not enough. If we just listen to His Word, there's a lot of things that we could be fulfilling, but we also need for application to happen and to come alive in our lives. We need to not only listen well, but number two, application is number two, following through. We need to follow through. I love James 1.22, the second part of the verse there. Says, Do what it says. It doesn't mince any words. Underline that. Circle it. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. After looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, when I look at my face in the mirror when I walk away, I try to forget what I look like. I don't really want to be reminded of that all day long. But once in a while, you catch a glimpse of yourself. You're walking into, you know, the other day I was walking uh, into Target. It was just yesterday. I had my ball cap on, my glasses on, because I've had a little bit of an eye infection. That's why I got these glasses on today. You know, I don't have my contacts in. I'm mowing the grass, and things are messed up. And, you know, and I'm walking in there, and I see someone from Daybreak. You know, I'm just trying to hide. And then, worse than that, I saw my reflection in the door. And I thought, if, if I wanted to be helpful to people, I'd just go home right now and take a shower and clean up. I'm sure that my son's Axe body spray is not covering up what I thought it would cover up when I stole it off of his, you know, bathroom counter and put it on before I came here. So we try to forget what we look like, you know. Kids are great at this. When they're younger, you know, they'd go meet the president. They'd walk in, look at themselves in the mirror, maybe do all these, lick. Yeah, I got the calic back. I'm ready to go meet the president, right? But something happens when we get 12, 13, 14 years old. I've noticed it with my two sons. My daughter was a little earlier on than that. But my two sons, you know, all of a sudden they start to notice, hey, wait a minute. Stuff needs to be primped and prompt and hair gel needs to be had and it needs to be cologne and, and, and you know, and, and, and deodorant. My, uh, my daughter-in-law is teaching out in Erie and she teaches sixth grade boys mathematics, boys and girls in there, but mostly boys in there. And she says that the Axe body spray doesn't even help. <laughs> that the combination of smells in that room and she brings in car fresheners and hangs them on her desk and all kinds of things. She said, they don't get it. They don't even know why I have that stuff in there. What's this for? You know, Mrs. Smith, why do you have this in here? You know, she knows why she has it there. She's just trying to survive. <laughs> she's going to get a little breath of fresh air when she's in there, okay? But we forget to follow through. We hit age 12, 13, 14, and all of a sudden this thing called the oh wow factor kicks in, doesn't it? You look in the mirror and you go, oh wow. And the older you get, you look in the mirror and you go, oh wow, you know, what's going on there? And uh, in, in my bathroom, and, and everyone has them, you have an oh wow kit of some sort. Now, I only brought part of my oh wow kit here this morning because I have a number of these baskets underneath my sink. And the reason I have these baskets underneath my sink is twofold. Number one, these are my oh wow kits. This is my shaving and get your hair ready kit, okay? My other one is, you know, my tooth brushing and flossing and all that kind of stuff, uh, kid. And then I have another one for just my eyes and stuff. And it, it's back behind. It won't even fit under the sink. And then I have my travel bag under the sink that's made up of all little small things that are in these things, right? And this is your oh, your oh wow kit. We all, we all have them, and they grow as we get older. I mean, it's hard to prop all of this up, okay, <laughs> as you get older and make it work. And uh, 
And I have them in these baskets because what happens is sometimes I'll pull this out, and not sometimes, a lot of times I'll pull this out and I'll get ready, and my wife's getting ready for work at the same time. And even though our bathroom is pretty big and we have two bowls sink, you know, we got the whole thing going on, a walk-in closet, a little bathroom that's separate from that, when she starts blow-drying her hair, I don't know what happens. She becomes some sort of diva. And she's blow-drying her hair and she's crunching it and primping it and doing this, and I am just in the way, and you can tell. And she's just like... Are you done shaving yet? Because I need to blow dry my hair. Because she says it much nicer than that. And I always think, man, you didn't even need to do that, honey. You were so beautiful before all of that. And of course, I don't want to keep her from doing that. She's looking pretty, looking good. So I'll take my basket and I'll just retreat to my son's bathroom, you know, kick the cat out of there. He's usually in there hanging out. And I can go in there. So, so in some ways, this makes it temporary. But here's some of the things that are in my, you know, oh wow basket. You know, I've got my hair gel and I've got my brush here. Now, this has way too many bristles on it for the few pieces of hair I have left. But getting all four or five of them going in one direction, I find is less distraction to all of you, okay? So I got that in there. Um, I have my shaving kit in here, and, and I have this, this uh, shave gel that I shave with now. It's for sensitive skin, because I'm sensitive, and um, it has oatmeal in it. And it has oatmeal in it because if I miss breakfast that morning, I just shoot a little bit of this in my mouth. <laughs> Get on with the day, right guys? Just take care of things. Uh, this week, to my kit, I, had to, I got this little eye infection thing going on, just a small little, like a um, sty in my eye. So I had to get some sty medication and some of these drops and, and put in there. And then that wasn't, that didn't really, that was kind of working, but kind of not. So I, I got the warm, the bag that you can put warm water in and lay on your face. And so my, my wife comes upstairs, and I'm laying in the bedroom with this on, and I'm watching reruns of the NFL while I'm listening to the Bible read to me over here. I mean, how sick of a person am I? But we're just trying to take care of things and take care of the oh wow things. But what happens in our life spiritually is we sit down, we, we listen to God's word, we meditate on God's word, we hear his word, and then we go, oh wow, I need to change that. Oh wow, I need to add that discipline to my life. Oh wow, I need to extend forgiveness to this person I haven't forgiven. Oh wow, I need to learn how to listen intentionally and with love to God and to others. Oh wow, and we have these oh wow moments, but then what we do is we do something that the word of God says. We quickly turn and walk away and we forget. We forget that, oh, wow, I need to forgive. All of a sudden, we're just moving on with our day. And God's Word says we need to learn how to apply this to our lives, but nothing is happening, and we're not changing, and we're only deceiving ourselves by taking in God's Word but not applying it to our lives. It's deceptive. We can begin to think that Christianity is about knowing and believing the right information, but that's only half of the equation. According to God's Word, knowing and believing the right information is important, but it's only half of the equation because we need to take that right information and put it into practice in our lives. We need to put flesh and blood on our beliefs so that our beliefs become convictions. The people that you respect the most, even if you don't always agree with them, are what? People who believe something and live it because we say about them what? You're a person of conviction, don't we? Don't we? And somehow deep inside of us, we know we want to be a person of conviction too. But we're only a person of conviction when we know the word and we do the word. We apply it. We live it out. We follow through. How many of you have been watching the U.S. Open? Are you watching tennis? You like tennis? You know, three of you. Okay, good. Okay, I should just drop the illustration right now. Just move on. Forget it. 
And the three of you later can talk to me about the illustration. Um, I'm not a great tennis player, but I like to play once in a while. And uh, my brother really taught me how to play tennis growing up because he was a good tennis player, and at that time he was a tennis instructor. And um, so he was teaching me how to play tennis, but I was doing something with my backhand, which, you know, you, you flip the bevel, you know, you kind of flip your wrist around there, and then you do the backhand. And I was not following through with my backhand or my forehand. As soon as I would hear it go bonk and make contact, I would stop. And as soon as I would hear bonk and make contact, I would stop. And what happens when you do that? The ball either goes in the net or over the fence. It's just like two things happen. In the net, over the fence. So I was getting a lot of good exercise and losing five to seven pounds a week, running after the balls that went into the net and over the fence. But I wasn't having a good time what, doing what? Volleying and playing a game with my brother until I started to follow through. But when I started to just follow, and I, I, I couldn't understand it. What do I have to follow through? I know I made contact. I'm done, right? If I follow through, all of a sudden the ball would spin and go over the net and land. And then he could hit it back to me. And we could enjoy the game of tennis together. We could have a rhythm together. And that's the way it is with you and God. You need to hear his word, but you need to follow through so that the rhythm of God and his interchange with you in your life becomes real and becomes prominent and becomes the major stream of your life and in your life. And that leads us into point three. Point three is this. Application is not only listening well and following through, but application is developing a rhythm between the two of listening well and of following through. Verse 25 of chapter one of the book of James says this, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. They'll be blessed in what they do. This listening well and following through has to have this interchange of these two disciplines for application to come alive, alive in our life. Look at the sequence of phrases here. If you look at the sequence of phrases, you can see they repeat this pattern twice in just one verse. First he says, look intently. Look deeply. We talked about that word before. To look deeply and to listen well and to take it in. Then he says, then continue in it. Look deeply, but then continue in it. Do it. Follow through, okay? And then he goes back to listening well again. He says, not forgetting. Not forgetting. If we're not going to forget, what are we going to do? We've got to listen well again. And then he says, but doing it. But doing it. Listen well, follow through. Listen well, follow through two times in one verse. The writer is trying to make this emphasis. You need to know the right thing and then you need to do the right thing. And you need to know and to do. And in the knowing and the doing, you know him and he knows you. And that's the real goal. Man's chief end, according to the catechism, is for us to know God and to enjoy him altogether. And so the chief end of listening well and following through, our chief end is to know God and to enjoy Him and to enjoy the life He's given us all together. So application is developing this rhythm, this interchange. There's some key practices that I'm learning that are helping me with this interchange that I, I'll just be honest with you, I'm 50 years old and I'm not that good at them and I'm wondering why I'm 50 years old and I'm just beginning to explore some of these things as an interchange. Now, I knew about these practices, but I didn't really put them into good practice 
until the last couple years of my life. And two of the practices uh, come from the EHS materials and come from the Word of God. One of them is called the daily office, practicing the daily office, which is where two times a day you actually meditate on the same theme of Scripture, theme of Scripture, and you take about five to seven minutes to do that, two different times during your day. You let God bring a holy interruption into about halfway through your day or the end of your day, and you start your day that way. And so you have two times a day when it works for you to hear this theme, and it's called the daily office, or making time to listen to God in this daily office. And the other thing is Sabbath-keeping. Once a week, Sabbath-keeping. And uh, I'm beginning to just kind of to apply this to my life. And I realized for years of my life, I didn't keep the Sabbath. And I would argue things like, well, the Sabbath is for the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Then I'd read the book of Hebrews, in the New, which is in the New Testament, Joel, by the way, that talks about there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And then God told me one day, oh, I guess you think you're better or stronger or smarter than I am because I needed to rest, but you're not doing it. Now, how arrogant are you, Joel, that you don't think you need to rest? And that you're so important that you just need to keep going like the Energizer Bunny. Wow, that was pretty convicting. I didn't always agree with him about that when I started listening to that message. But I'm hanging in the tension with him because he has something to teach me. And what he has to teach me is, Joel, you weren't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for you. It was made to keep you healthy and strong, and connected, and holy, and right, and good. It was made for you to stop and take some time just to listen well. We've got six other days to follow through, and to let that listening well affect every day of your life. And so I've been reading uh, The Daily Office, and it was supposed to be an app. This is funny. It was supposed to come out as an app, a daily office app. It's supposed to be for your phone. It's supposed to be free. So I didn't know how to get it because it came on this bookmark to me that said, scan the bookmark. I didn't know how to scan a bookmark with this. All of you are laughing. Yes. I didn't know that. So here's what I do. I go into Amy, who's my assistant. Amy's young. She's vibrant. She's smart. She keeps things together. And I walk into her workstation and I say this. Amy, since I was born in 1962... I don't know how to scan something with my iPhone. In a couple minutes, she helps me down on the scanner. We scan the app, and I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm going to spend some time with God right now. It's like, the app will be available later on. <laughs> you know, next, I'm like, I need God now. So uh, later on, the app will be available for uh, daily office, and hopefully that's coming soon. But until then, I'll just have to read it right out of a book that's printed and maybe carry this around with me, Okay. I was reading this the other day. It says, uh, On Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some of the heads of grain. The Pharisees said to them, Look, why are they doing this unlawful thing on the Sabbath? And he, he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abahathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. He then also gave some to his companions. And then he said to him, The Sabbath was not made for man. Was not, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And then here's the devotional thought. Sabbath is not dependent upon our readiness to stop. We do not stop when we are finished. 
We do not stop when we complete our phone calls, finish our projects, or give that stack of messages done, or get that report out that's due tomorrow. We stop because it's time to stop. Sabbath requires surrender. If we only stop when we're finished with all our work, we will never stop because our work is never complete. With every accomplishment, there arises a new responsibility. We refuse rest until we are finished. We'll never rest until we die. Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days because it liberates us from the need to be finished. We stop because there are forces larger than us in the universe that take care of it, the universe. And while our efforts are important, necessary, and useful, they are not, nor are we, indispensable. The galaxy will somehow manage quite well without us for an hour or a day. And so we're invited, yes, commanded, to relax and enjoy our relative unimportance, our humble place at the table of God in this very large world. Do not be anxious about tomorrow, Jesus said again and again. Let the work of today be sufficient. Sabbath says, stop, be still. There's no rush to get to the end because we are never finished. And then the question for that day was, what is your greatest fear in stopping for 24 hours each week? What is your greatest fear in stopping for 24 hours each week? What keeps you from doing it? Will you leave your space and enter God's space with that question? Will you hang in the tension and let him teach you some rhythms of rest, some rhythms of listening and acting that are healthy? My brother-in-law and I were talking about this yesterday after we had breakfast at my in-law's house and we were standing in the driveway and he said, I'm ready to retire. He's two years younger than me. He was born in 1964, not 1962. And I said, yeah, I feel like that a lot of days. I know what you mean. You kind of just get overwhelmed with all the work and you get tired and, and you don't know what to do. You figured by this time in life things would be easier, but things seem to be stacking up even harder and there's more and more and more to do and more required of you maybe more than now, ever in your life. I said, but what I long for now is a good cadence of work and rest. And I don't know if I'm going to get there, but I'm going to do my darnness to enter into his rest because there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And you are his people. And he loves you and he loves me. And he wants to speak to us and he wants us to act, but he wants us to have some good rhythm and interchange between the two of those things. In the next couple of moments, you're going to see some people be baptized. And those people who are getting baptized are a perfect illustration of this art of application. You'll even hear it in their stories in the next couple of minutes. You'll hear them say they heard the voice of God and then they needed to follow through and to be baptized. They're an illustration of what it means to begin to hear God's voice, to hear Him clearly, to hear Him well, to hear Him strong, to hear Him long, and then follow through. And they have the rest of their days to develop that rhythm between the two. So I'd say in the next couple moments, I'm going to pray. We're going to hear their stories. Some people are going to get baptized. As they come up out of the waters of baptism, would you applaud them as though you're saying, develop a rhythm between the two. Listen well. Follow through. Develop that rhythm. Be on that life-changing journey with Jesus Christ. Celebrating His grace, connecting with His family, contributing to His work, knowing Him knowing him and enjoying him all together until he comes again. Let's talk to God together in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you lead us into a yielded life. A few weeks ago, we 
studied and prayed that you alone are the master artist. We, your children, are your masterpiece. So today we freely yield ourselves into your hands. Please clean the mud off of the canvas of our life as we step into the light with you. Help us to listen well. Remove anything inside of us or outside of us that's blurring the lines or blocking the view of your masterpiece today. Lord, we, the people of Daybreak Church, long to see you in all of your glory. Please reveal the brushstrokes of your plan as we stop to listen, as we stop to yield, and then as we follow through with what you've said. With what you've said to our church family during this time of yielding prayer, we want to make right. Today, as your child, we entrust ourselves to your nail-scarred hands the ones that can free us up to walk the path of blessing with you. You indeed are the master artist. and We are your masterpiece. We yield ourselves to you. By your Spirit's power within us, help us to listen well, help us to follow through, and help us to develop a rhythm between the two. In Jesus' name, amen.